My subject tonight is what can God not do? What can God not do? And, and that's, that's kind of what I want to preach. Because there are times the enemy wants to tell us that there are some things that God is incapable of doing for us. I would tell you that there are some things that God will not do. There are some things that God, that God will not do. He will not, at this particular time, He will not make you worship Him. I know that the Bible says that one day that every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know that is going to happen one day, but at this particular time, He doesn't make us worship Him. So when we come into church, nobody's going to make you worship God. We ought to, we ought to uh, give our praise leaders a break every once in a while and think about uh, what it must be like to be them, to get up and try to sing and, and worship the Lord. And, and they're trying to be praise leaders, lead in praise. Worship leaders, lead in worship. And sometimes we make their job awfully difficult, don't we? Sometimes if we feel like we're going through something and we're just frustrated and, and, and life has been difficult for the past few days, and, then we just don't feel like worshiping. And so they get up here and they're trying to do everything they can to get us to worship God. I thank God for nights like this when we come in here. And nobody had to tell you to do anything, but as they began to sing high and lifted up, people just wanted to give God the praise. I thank God for that because this is what I know. This is what I know. He didn't make you do that. God didn't make you do that. He didn't put his finger on you and say, this is what you will do tonight. But that's a decision that you and I made when we walked through the doors. That we wanted to worship the Lord, our God. No, he will not make you worship him. Um, something else he will not do is he will not make you serve him. God's not going to make you serve him. He doesn't, uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want people who are doing this because they have to. He wants people who will serve him because they get to. The Lord truly wants a people whose hearts are turned toward him. And, and uh, we, out of the abundance of our heart, we just choose to follow after him. We choose to be faithful to Him. No one has to twist our arm. Nobody has to coerce us. Nobody makes us do it. Um, I, now, let me back that up just a minute. I think when you have kids, you ought to make them do it. I'm preaching good. Pat myself on the back. You ought to make them do it. They don't know any better. They don't know what decisions they're making right now. You had this mother in Texas, and, and can you believe it? You, you, we better be real careful because, because people aren't, people aren't clear-thinking people anymore. We used to depend on something called common sense, but we're finding out it ain't very common. And so there's this family in Texas, and, and that, I, I'm ashamed to say they're from Texas because that's where I'm from, and and Texas is supposed to be the, the, the last holdout. But, but y'all pray for Texas. All these liberals keep flocking there because they want to leave their... I'm not political. Just a little bit, maybe. 
They want to leave their high taxes and all that stuff. And then they want to get to Texas and make Texas what they just came from. Reminds me, oh, here I go. Reminds me of people that want to come out of the world and get in the church. And God do something for you in the church. And then you want to change the church to make it look like the world. Let me tell you, we don't need to change this. We don't need to change this. God's had his hand on it for a long time. It's brought us a mighty long way. I don't want to lose what we have. I don't want to lose the glory of God that was in this place on a Sunday morning. I don't want to lose the passion to follow after him that was in this room. He's not going to make us do it. But this family in Texas, they, uh, uh, the mother decided that she wanted to start calling her son by a, by a girl's name. She had twin boys and wanted to start calling her son by a girl's name. And, and just targeted one of them to do it. And uh, the dad said, they, the parents were separated. The dad said, he doesn't want to be a girl. And she said, well, he, I'm changing his name. When he goes to school, the teacher's going to call him by a girl's name. And the principal's calling him by a girl's name. And I'm calling him by a girl's name. And she wanted the courts to make the dad call the son by a girl's name. And she was dressing him up in girls' clothes and sending him to school and all this stuff. And, and the dad's been fighting it. And, and the dad said, he doesn't want to do that. Uh, this, this is not just a situation of, of him choosing to do that, which if that was my kid and they tried to choose to do that, we still wouldn't do that. Just, but she was making him do it. And dad said, he doesn't want to do this. He cries. And he comes, when he comes to my house, he's upset about it. And uh, so a, a jury actually sided with that mother. Thank God a judge stepped in and said, this is not right. And I'm throwing that out. And judge uh, created a new order in that. And I thank God for that. Um, that's, that's some of the, the foolishness that we are dealing with right now. And so if the world is going to try to make their kids do things like that, I'm going to tell you right now, before your kids come to an understanding of the things of God, and before they are established uh, in their knowledge and understanding of the Word of God, we as parents, we better make sure that we're doing our part, that we are training them up in the way that they should go, so that when they are old, they won't depart from it. We better make sure that we are leading them in the paths of truth and righteousness. And that's worth clapping about tonight. Now that was aside. That was for free. Okay, so I'm going to back my time up a little bit here, all right? No, I'm kidding. Um, we, we will make our children do some things, perhaps. We make them brush their teeth. We make them go to school, all that kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you right now, God will not make us to serve Him. God's not interested in, 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 in controlling us in that way. He wants us to serve Him from a willing heart. And the third thing I would tell you is that God will not make you love Him. He's not going to make you love Him. He wants you to choose to place your love upon Him. Uh, I want to be constrained, as the Apostle Paul said. I want to be constrained by the love of Christ. So that whenever uh, this old flesh would pull me one direction, there's a love within my heart for him that says, No, I can't go that way. No, I've got to follow after the Lord, my God. Amen. He won't make us love him. Uh, that's not how he operates. So there are things that he will not do. 
But this is really what I came to preach. But when it comes to the ability of God, when it comes, and you said it a while ago, God's ability. When it comes to the ability of God against the devil. When it comes to the ability of God against an antichrist spirit which doth already work. When it comes to the ability of God against worldliness. When it comes uh, to the ability of God, no matter what it is. I want to declare to you that there is absolutely nothing that our God cannot do. Now I'm going to preach that tonight. What can God not do? Nothing. There is nothing that our God cannot do. He is an able God. He is a mighty God. He is an everlasting God. He is the eternal God. There is not one devil. There is not a legion of devils. There is not a third of of devils that fell out of heaven. There is not any group that can get together that can hinder the work of our God. If our God determines to do it, our God will do it. The Bible said that not one word that he has spoken will fall. Not one thing that he has declared will not come to pass. If God has said it, it will be accomplished. And I don't mean it will just be started, but I'm telling you it will be fulfilled in its entirety. If God has told you something and it came from the Lord and it's not something we tried to just uh, blab it and grab it. And I'm not a fan of that. I don't think we need to put words in God's mouth. But if God has said it, I'm telling you right now, you can hold on to it and it will happen. It will happen. What we are fighting against is a demonic attack in which the devil is trying to tell us what God cannot do. And that is a demonic attack. That is an attack against our faith in God. The devil wants to limit our faith in the Lord. He wants to limit our faith in the ability of God. That's why I believe. If, 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 if you see it different, that's your business. But I believe when the Bible said, Paul speaking, he said, you need to put on the whole armor of God. He said, you got to have your, your feet shod with the shoes of the, uh, of the gospel of peace. And, and you've got to have the, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And he goes through all of these things. And, and he tells us that we've got to have the whole armor of God. Uh, then he says this. He says, and above all, taking up the shield of faith, whereby you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. I believe. The reason that is a shield of faith is because those darts of the wicked are darts of doubt. And they are darts that would come into our minds to try to get us to not believe that God is what he says he is. And that God cannot do what he says he will do. And so I believe we've got to have a shield of faith to quench those darts. And so the enemy is always battling for our faith. I think if there's any one battle that the devil fights... It is the battle for our faith. He is trying to get us to believe that God is limited. But I am telling you tonight that God is not limited. 
He is not limited. Israel, the Bible said, they limited the Holy One of Israel. What does that mean? How did You just said God can't be limited. What did they do? No, they didn't stop what God had the power to do. They just stopped God from operating in their midst because they chose not to believe Him. And so what causes God to not work in the middle of people's lives is not that He can't do it. It's that people quit believing that He will do it. And if we want to be a church like every other church, then we can be a church like every other, everything that calls itself a church. I preached about that Sunday. Not everything that says church is a church. But if we want to be like everybody else, then we can quit believing in a God of miracles. We can quit believing in a God of healing. We can quit believing in a God who can make a way where there seems to be no way. And we'll have just as many testimonies of insufficiency as they do. But if there will be a group of people that says, I still believe God. I don't care if I'm surrounded by the lions in a lion's den. I don't care if I'm walking through the fire. I don't care if I'm going through the flood. I still believe my God. Hallelujah. It's going to be about what we choose to believe. And I know this is taking a little liberty with the scripture. And so this is something I tell our young preachers not to do too much. But if you're going to do it, at least be honest about it. Okay? So I'm an honest preacher tonight, all right? (laughs) I'll get to what I was going to say in a minute. I I hear people preach about now faith. Right now faith. And you all have heard me say, it's not what that means. It's not what he's saying. He's saying now faith. But it preaches good the other way, I'll admit. Paul said to Agrippa, he said, I think myself happy. Now, he wasn't saying I'm using the power of positive thinking. He was saying, I'm looking around at everything, and I think about it, and I say, I'm happy. In the middle of everything going on, I'm still happy. But I'm going I'm to do a little bit of injustice for a minute and say every once in a while, you ought to think yourself happy. Every once in a while, you ought to tell yourself, I believe God. Even when everything's trying to tell you that you don't believe God. When your flesh is creeping up to saying, I don't know that God's in the middle of all of this. You ought to push back and say, you know what? I I may have a little unbelief in me, but there's still a, a little bit of belief that God can still work in the middle of all of this. You gotta, you got to push back every once in a while. The devil is trying to keep us from believing that God is able. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter number 20, and let's look at verse number 28, 1 Kings 20 and 28. The Bible says this, Israel was fighting against the Syrians, and it says, There came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. The enemy said, this is what the enemy told them. He said, uh, they said, their God is a God of the hills, no doubt. He's with them when they're fighting on top of the mountain. He's with them when they're up high. But if we can just fight them down low, if we can just take them to the trenches, their God won't be with them there. 
Surely their God is the God of the hills. But he is not a God of the valleys. And the Lord said, let me just tell you something right now. That may be what the enemy's trying to convince you of. But I'm going to tell you there is no place that I cannot defeat your enemy. Not only can I defeat them on the mountaintop, but I can defeat them in the valley as well. And so he said, we're just going to show them and we're going to prove to them that your God is in fact the God of the hills and he is a God of the valleys. The enemy went to uh, a prophet by the name of Balaam. Balaam was not the kind of prophet that you would want to have perhaps in your life. But he was a man that God spoke to. And I don't understand everything about how all that worked, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't understand why God had this prophet out here when he was leading Israel. And I don't understand the connection of God to him. I, I can't explain all of those things to you tonight. But I'll tell you this. When Israel was getting ready to come into a certain place, there was a king who said, you know what? We're not, everybody tries to fight these people, gets defeated. So we're not going to try to just fight them because they're, they're going to be too much for us. But what we will do is I'm going to call that prophet to come. And I'm going to ask that prophet to curse these people of God. And he's going to speak some things over them. And when he speaks these things over them, it's going to cause them uh, to be cursed because their God will not be able to stand against this. Their God can't handle the curse that will come from this man. And so Balak sent for Balaam and, and Balaam gets there. And he says, this is what I need you to do. I need you to curse these people. And when Balaam got up to curse them, God said, nope. You thought you were going to curse these people, but there's nothing I can't do. And so instead of putting, allowing a curse to come out of that man's mouth, God said, I'm going to actually cause him to bless my people. And so when he got up to, to, to say these people aren't going to win any more battles and these people aren't going to be able to take any more territory and these people are going to be scattered and he got up to say whatever he was going to say. God just slipped in and said, nope, here you go. And God said, tell them that my hand is on them. Tell them that everywhere they go, I'm going before them. Tell them that I've got a blessing on them. Tell them I've got an anointing on their life. And here's what I want to tell you tonight. I don't care what the enemy wants to speak over you. And some of you need to hear what I'm saying right now. I don't care what the devil wants to say over you. I don't care how the devil wants to curse you. I don't care what the devil's wanting somebody to put over your life. I'm telling you there's a God tonight that says absolutely not. Not on my watch. There's nothing I can't do. And every curse that the enemy wants to put on you, I'm praying that God turns it into a blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The enemy says, you can't figure it out. But God says, I'll direct your steps in Proverbs. The enemy says, you're too tired. But God says, that's okay, I'll give you rest. Matthew 11. The enemy says, it's impossible. But God says, with me all things are possible. Luke 18. The enemy says, nobody loves you. But God says, I love you. John 3.16. The enemy says, you can't forgive yourself. But God says, I forgive you. 
The enemy says it's not worth it. But God says it's going to be worth it all. The enemy says you're not smart enough. But God says I will give you wisdom. The enemy says you are not able. But God says you are able. The enemy says you can't go on. But God said my grace is sufficient for thee. The enemy said you can't do it. But God says you can do all things through me. The enemy says you can't manage. But God said that's okay. I will supply all of your needs. The enemy says you're afraid. But God says I have not given you the spirit of fear. And the enemy says you're all alone. But God says I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. What can God not do? There is nothing that my God cannot do. My God can heal your body. My God can touch your mind. My God can reach your children. My God can do anything He needs to do. Somebody give Him a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Exodus 15... They started singing about this great God of ours. They started talking about what the enemy had said. The enemy said, Exodus 15 and 9. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. But verse 10 said, But thou didst blow with thy wind, and the sea covered them, and they sank as lead in the mighty waters. When Pharaoh said, this is what I'm getting ready to do, God said, nope, not going to happen, because there's nothing I can't not do. And I am going to put my hand on my people. And so if we truly are the children of God, the devil can't do nothing to us unless God allows it to happen. And if God allows it to happen, that means God knows that we can make it through it some way, somehow. But whatever I'm going through right now, I'm not at the mercy of a devil. I'm not at the mercy of the enemy. But I'm in the hand of an almighty God. He is with me everywhere that I go. Y'all all right tonight? In Revelation, you get to read in Revelation. You're going to find out that the dragon came out. The Bible said he came and he began to make war with the church of God. But the Lord said, I'm going to let that old dragon go a certain amount of distance. He's going to have a certain amount of time. And he's going to get to push my people a certain, a certain ways. But the Lord said, whenever I get to that point, I'm going to step in. And I'm going to send an angelic host to thwart him. Matter of fact, God said, I don't even have to do it my own self. I'll just send my angels to do it. Because he said he'd give the angels charge. And so, I want to tell you tonight, that even when he's an old dragon, in Genesis, he was a serpent. But in Revelation, he's a dragon. And I know he looks big, and I know he looks bad. But even when the devil looks his worst, my God is still able. 
Even when the devil looks his worst, my God still has all power in heaven and earth. Even when the devil does his worst, my God has authority. And even when the devil's at his worst, my God said that I'm going to let you put your heel on his head. And you're going to put him underneath your feet. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm talking about our God. Talking about our God. What can our God not do? Nothing. There is nothing our God cannot do. My God can do anything. My God can heal. My God can save. My God can deliver. My God can destroy yokes. My God breaks addictions. My God changes circumstances. My God causes... Uh, judges to say, nope, it was going to be that way, but now it's going to be this way. And I've got friends. i tell you one of them, Nick Mahaney, who stood before a judge. And the judge was getting ready to pronounce sentence on him. But God moved somehow, and God changed and turned that whole thing around. And now Nick's preaching the gospel. I give God thanksgiving for that tonight. Isn't our God good? There is nothing he cannot do. Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20, the Bible said this. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy, the king. Let me rephrase how I say that so you don't misunderstand it. He hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God (laughs) in the midst of thee is mighty. He's not the Lord your God that's not near you. He's not the Lord your God that's away from you. But he's the Lord your God that's in the middle of you right now. I wasn't going to preach this, but I feel like I need to say it. I preached years ago about Jehovah Mephaltai, the Lord who delivers thee. And we need to quit thinking that God only delivers in one way or the other. God doesn't just always pull me out of something. There's been many times in my life he has. But there's also been many times in my life that he hasn't pulled me out of it. I thank God for everything he's pulled us out of. I thank God he pulled Israel out of Egypt. I I, I thank God that that, that he did all of those things. But let me remind you about three Hebrew boys that went into a fiery furnace. And they still had to go through the fire. But even in the middle of the fire, God was with them. Even in the middle of the fire, God was delivering them. And I don't know what you're walking through tonight. I pray that most of you come out of it. But if you have to walk through it in the name of Jesus, He's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. He's delivering you in the midst of whatever it is you're in because He is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in His love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. Who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee. And I will save her that halteth. And gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. 
everywhere that you were put to shame, God said He's going to cause your name to have praise and fame. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. And I felt like the Lord gave me that scripture tonight and said, that's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to turn some things around. Because I'm the God that can do anything. Because I'm the God who's not limited by their circumstances. If they will only believe it, I will do it. This morning I got a phone call uh, from Sister Trish. I hope it's okay if I talk about it. Sister Trish, and I appreciate that because I think this is important. I think we need to rejoice when we have a victory. And then when we face something that we don't want to face, I think we need to be willing to say this may be what reality says, but I've still got faith in God to change it. And I appreciate that. (laughs) Sister Trish called me this morning. She said, I didn't get good news. I went to the doctor. And she said, uh, of course, she's been on dialysis. She had this uh, heart attack and, 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 and the stuff with her heart and, and uh, all the bypass, quadruple bypass. And uh, all that stuff went on. And by the way, pray for my mother. She's getting ready to have two stents put in next Friday. So please pray for her. She went in and had this quadruple bypass. And so her, with, because of what happens to the body and all that, her kidneys haven't woken up like they needed to wake up. And so she's been having difficulty. They've been doing dialysis now for weeks and weeks. And I think it was Father's Day was around the time that you went in to have that surgery. So that was in June. So that was months ago. And she's been on dialysis ever since. And we've been believing God that she's going to get off dialysis. And, and all of this stuff. And, and she went back to the doctor and the doctor said, it's, not just, it's just not looking good. And, and a couple of weeks ago we thought we were making some progress. And now it sound, seems like we've taken some steps back. Matter of fact, he said, uh, he said, we need to even think about doing a kidney transplant for you. And so that's what they're telling her right now. And she called me today, and she just gave me the report. But I appreciate what she said. She said, but you know what? God's got his hand on it. And she said, uh, whatever's going to happen, God's already, she said, I'm already living on borrowed time, according to the Bible. Seventy years is what we're, what we're told. She's 76 now. She said, I'm already on borrowed time. I'm just going to keep making the best of it. And whatever God wants to do, God will do. I know God's got his hand on it, and I'm going to keep trusting him. And the devil tries to tell me some stuff every once in a while, but I'm going to keep on trusting God anyway. And so she was giving me that report this morning. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I told her, I said, I'm going to believe it with you. I know what the doctor said. I understand the situation. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll tell you again, Sister Trish, God can change it. All it takes is a moment. All it takes is a moment. Right now while I'm preaching and your faith is rising, God can move right now. Bring healing. She said, I got my scripture reading. And she said, I began to read my scripture for the day. And this is what it was, Isaiah 54 and 10. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. She said, that's my scripture. His kindness is with me. His peace has not left me. And he has mercy on me. So whatever happens, happens. But my God is with me through it all. 
It don't matter what shape the body's in tonight. God is still with us. If I drop dead while I'm preaching, don't you think God wasn't with me? God was still with me. If something happens on the way home, that's going to be all right. God is with me. And there is nothing that my God cannot do. When it comes to the enemy, when it comes to the devil, when it comes to his ability, there is nothing that God cannot do. But the one thing he can't do against himself is lie. When it comes to the enemy or circumstances or life, there's nothing he can't do. But when it comes to himself, there's one thing he can't do. And that is, he cannot lie. I want to read to you Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version tonight. Because I, it, it points something out that is so very strong. Hebrews 6 and 13 in the Amplified. For when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he realized the promise. Everybody say the promise. He realized the promise in the miraculous birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come from God. Indeed, men swear an oath by one greater than themselves. And with them in all disputes, notice this, everybody say an oath. A promise and an oath, okay? Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves. And with them in all disputes, the oath for confirmation is final, ending the strife. So when, when men have made an agreement and, and they have said, this is what we're going to do, and then something comes up and they begin to fuss with each other about, no, we're not going to do it that way. I'm changing my mind. They go back to the oath that was taken. And the oath mediates the disagreement. Do you understand? The oath mediates the disagreement. And, and so it ends that dispute. In the same way, God, in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, the King James says, by two immutable things. But this is why I wanted this, to show you this. By two immutable things, his promise and his oath. By these two things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to Him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip. Somebody say, praise the Lord. It cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. Somebody say, hallelujah. <laughs> a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells, where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He said there's two immutable things by which God cannot lie. And this is how we know we have a hope. Is because of these two immutable things. It's his promise and it's his oath. So God makes a promise. 
God makes a promise with us. And then when the devil attempts to dispute the promise, God says, no, we're just going to confirm this by the oath I made. And so, devil, you want to change the rules of the situation. But I'm not going to let you do that, devil. I made a promise. So let's go back to the oath to mediate the promise. And God says, no, my oath says that whatever I promised must come to pass. His oath guarantees his promise. So I am preaching to you tonight, and I'm done. But I am preaching to you tonight to say don't let the enemy make you question God's ability. Just take it to the Lord and let the Lord deal with the devil. And let the Lord deal with the adversary of your soul. Let the Lord deal with every demonic spirit wants to say whatever. Just whenever that begins to whisper in your ear, say, no, I'm just going to take this to God. And go say, Lord, you hear the devil. He's been trying to tell me some things. And he's trying to tell me that I can't be healed. He's trying to tell me my kidney can't be healed. He's trying to tell me my diabetes can't be healed. He's trying to tell me my MS can't be healed. He's trying to tell me my heart problems can't be healed he tried to tell me pancreatic cancer can't be healed he's trying to tell me all these different things but God I just wanted to bring it to you tonight because I know you made an oath and so God would you go straighten that old devil out and the Lord says devil let me just tell you I made him a promise and according to my oath I must keep the promise so devil I rebuke you I rebuke your evil report devil get out of here because if I said it if I said it it's getting ready to come to pass that's what I came to preach tonight I'm not trying to preach anything deep tonight. I'm just telling you the word of the Lord for this church right now. God said there's people in that church. They're fighting battles. And they're up against things that they didn't ever imagine they may have to be up against. And whether you're in the room tonight or you're listening by way of podcast. On your way to work tomorrow. Or on your way home from work tonight. You hear this pastor when he preaches and tells you. God is with you. And there is nothing that our God cannot do when it comes to your body. When it comes to the enemy of your soul. There is nothing he can't do. Because the thing he can't do against himself guarantees that there's nothing he can't do against the enemy. And I want to thank God for that kind of Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. So this is what I'd like us to do tonight. I'd like us to stand to our feet. And if you've been battling anything, and if the devil's been trying to tell you anything, if there's been anything coming against you, if there's been battles of the mind, if there's been battles of the soul, There's been battles in the body. And the devil's trying to tell you what God cannot do. I want you to make up your mind that God can, in fact, accomplish whatever that is. And I want you to believe it with everything you have in you. And if there's something in you that has a little bit of doubt, don't let the little bit of doubt destroy the faith that is in your heart. You need to get your shield up tonight. You need to raise up your shield of faith. And say, I'm not going to let any more fiery darts get me off track. I won't let any more fiery darts knock me off the course. Because I've got trust and faith in my God. And so I may not see Him working. 
I may not feel him working. I may not hear him working. I may not know when it's going to happen. I may not see an end in sight. But I do know my God is able. Devil, I'm kind of like Job tonight. I might have lost the family. I might have lost the, the sheep. I might have lost the stuff. I might have lost the kids. But devil, let me tell you what I didn't lose. I didn't lose what I know. And I know my Redeemer liveth. And so, devil, it don't matter what it looks like. As long as I know God's not dead, he's alive, then I'm going to believe him. And somebody that believes what I preach tonight, I want you to throw your hands in the air. And I want you to begin to claim victory in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. I rebuke every spirit that's trying to hinder the people of God. I rebuke every spirit that's trying to hinder the people of God. I rebuke every spirit that's trying to hinder the people of God. Fear, you have no place here. Perfect love, cast out fear. And the love of Christ is in this room tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Cry out and seek the Lord right now. Cry out and seek the Lord right now. The devil said your kids can't be saved. But in the name of Jesus, your kids will be saved. The devil said you can't be healed, but in the name of Jesus, you are healed. The devil said your spouse is not going to come to God. But in the name of Jesus, your husband, your wife, they're coming to God. Come on, come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now what we need to have happen is we need to join faith together. We need to join faith. We need to be like Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan said it ain't nothing for God to do this. Do you think God will do it for us? He said, if you're for it, I'm for it. All we need is one person with faith right now. And if I can attach my faith to your faith, God's getting ready to do something. And God's getting ready to work. So I want us to be the body of Christ tonight. And I want us to find somebody, another person or two or three. I don't care how many. But I don't want anybody to be hesitant. And I don't want anybody to not get involved in this. If you don't get plugged into this, it's not going to be anybody's fault but your own. Don't wait for somebody to come to you. You go to them. And right now, let's join our faith together and believe God to work miracles. Can we do that? Step out from where you are. Step out from where you are. Let's join our faith together tonight. God's getting ready to do a miracle. Hallelujah.